We're going to be continuing our story. And, and our story is about this unique nature of God. And, and, and we've come a long way as we went through the Old Testament side of it. And, and we saw that, that, that God did a lot of things that didn't make sense to the people uh, that were either the, the givers or the recipients of his actions. But uh, we can look back at it and we see the plan. And we see how the plan unfolded. Last week we got started kind of that transition way as Christ enters the world. And everything really begins to clear up. But even with that, there was this, this uh, misconception on a lot of people's parts about what this meant and, and, and what was coming to pass and what was the future going to hold? Uh, I want us to go to Luke chapter 2, and, and, and we're going to read a big portion of that. Because I, I, I want us to see the whole story together before we begin to look at some of the things that uh, uh, just kind of reveals how unique God really is. If you go to Luke chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from uh, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while uh, Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now let's just kind of... Stop for a second because I can remember from the time I started the school. Every, every year in December, there was a Christmas play that took place. And, and it never mattered what the theme of the, of the play was. It was usually about Santa Claus, but at the end, they had a nativity scene and, and they read from Luke chapter 2. And, and it always amazed me, even when I was little. I, I, I'd been around a little bit with livestock and everything else. And the, majors, the manger scene was always so pristine. And everything was spotless. And, and, and the straw was clean. And everybody had these little smiles on their face. And... That bothered me. You know, it really did. Because that, that's not the scene I see. Because there's so many questions that are, that are not even addressed. And there's, you know, they're not asked. And there's answers that are not given. You know, God, God's unique deliverance of Jesus was the conception and not the gestation and the delivery. Because as we read, we're going to continue to read here in a minute, I want you to listen that Mary had a delivery. And somebody delivered that Christ child. 
And Mary didn't have spinal blockage or, or anything. And she was in potentially dirty conditions. Everything that you don't want your child to be born into, that's where she was delivered. And she, she went through all of the, 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 the cleansing ritual that followed childbirth that every other mother went through. And it, it wasn't this nice, you know, wasn't it convenient the way the story's always told is, is that this Christ child is born and all of a sudden these three wise men show up and we say three wise men because there were three gifts so there had to be a wise man for gifts, you know. And everybody just converged at the same moment. Well, if, if you read scripture, there's months in between the appearance of these people. You know, it, it's, it's not this neat little package that took place. It, it was a home delivery, is what it was. Under filthy conditions, probably not the mid-December uh, day that's given, you know, more projections show it using the, the movement of planets and stars and things and tracking back, it was probably earlier in the fall, if not into the late summer, you know. So it, it was totally different than the way the world has taken it. You see, what, what happens so much, and, and it's been true, every one of those stories that we got into, where, where you talk about Abraham, and you talk about Daniel and Hosea and, and Jeremiah and all of them, the world takes them, and the world has an expectation, so they tell the story based on their expectation and not the message. And when that happens, the facts get twisted just a little bit. Let's go back and, and, and pick up with uh, verse 8. I, I can read the words good, but they got these tiny little blue numbers <laughs> that I really have to get close to pick out sometimes. It says, Now they were in the same country... Uh, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, then the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem, and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they, had made, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in, their, in her heart, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed with the circumcision of the child, 
His name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days, in verse 22, now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, let's go back to the stable scene. Now, you, you understand who these people are now. Everyone I've ever seen in nativity, they have a camel or two, which makes sense. That's transportation. Usually have a donkey or two that's in there. They might have a cow or so. They'll have a couple of lambs. There's usually some turtle doves, you know, posted somewhere. And there's always pigs running around. Now, now concentrate for just a second. Who are these people? They're Jews. And I doubt they had just tons of pigs running around their house, you know. But yet, that's the expectation because that's the farming. That's the pastoral part of all of this. You know, it, it, the, the world's view of that just doesn't work. Mary delivered. Who, who, who received the child? She went through the purification process. And we're not talking about a few days. We're talking about a couple of months. They weren't just in full contact with folks for a while because she had to be purified from the process. You know, at, at times there are things that God does that almost make us uncomfortable. And, and it's not the idea that God wants us to be uncomfortable. It's just we preconceive within our mind what things should be. And because we want to twist it and force it into a little mold of what we expect it to be, we, we miss the message as a whole. <coughs> God's objective for each one of these situations and circumstances that we've studied through to this point has not been to make man feel comfortable. In fact, it's just the opposite. In many ways, it's to make man be uncomfortable. To make man step up and step back and open their mind and view things in a way that they've never seen. You know, Abraham, child born late in life, what does he tell him to do? Take this child to the mountain and do what? Kill him. Sacrifice requires death, does it not? And Abraham was perfectly willing to do that. I don't think he was happy about it. But God said, and he said, I will do it. And then Daniel is jerked out of his home as a young man, the formative years of his life, and taken to a, to a barbaric country, really, to live. And it didn't make sense. But he rose through the leadership ranks, and you began to see a purpose for him being there. You have Hosea that was told to marry a prostitute. And each one of his children that were born 
had a name that spelled out the message, get ready because I've had enough of you and I'm going to turn my back on you. And people said, what's that about? And then we get to Jeremiah and God tells him to go out. And he, he says, you know, I'll do it, Lord. And he goes out and he teaches and preaches. And he's miserable. He's miserable. Not because of the message, but because of the way he's treated and the people. And people look at him and say, why do you do that? And, and what did Jeremiah start to do? He started to give up. He says, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this. But it was so deep in his heart, what did he do? He went back and he continued to prophesy. You had Ezekiel and all those bones. You know, think of the times that God has had people go to places to do things that they're not supposed to be there. And as a Jew, they were not to be in, in this, this area of death. All of these skeletons that represented generations of deaths that have occurred. And they were all unclean, but God said, this is where I want you to go. Ezekiel goes, I don't know about that. But he did, and then he says, prophesy over these bones and he does, and he clickety-clackety-clickety-clackety, they come back together. And then he prophesies a second time, and they flesh up, and they rise, and there's an army for the Lord right there. Didn't make sense. Now we've got this virgin, very young lady, betrothed to a good man, man capable of being a good provider. And they come and say, the angels tell her, you're going to become pregnant. And how did she respond? She wasn't nonchalant, but, but she said, well, you know, I've never been with a man. And they said, don't worry. This is going to be through the Holy Spirit. But once she was told that, she became comfortable with that. Didn't make sense. And then here's Joseph, her in, intended as a husband, finds out this young bride that he's betrothed to is now pregnant with a child. And he's been told not to worry. This is not your usual pregnancy. He says, okay. You know, it didn't make sense to the people around. Well, what did his neighbors expect him to do? Send her away. Get rid of her. You've got every right, Joseph. And, and Scripture even tells us what? He considered that. He said, you know, I thought about it, but he said the words of the Lord were more powerful. He said this child is special. And then we get to the actual birth, and it happened to be on a long trip. And they didn't have comfortable cars. You know, I, I can remember those trips late, later in the pregnancies. You didn't drive very far before you stopped, you know. And here they were, she was riding on a donkey. Nice smooth ride, <laughs> you know. Power steering and everything. It, it just, you know, it, nothing made sense to this. 
It wasn't, but what, what is it, 60 miles that they traveled? I, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it seemed like it was an area of 60 miles. But think how long on a donkey plodding along 60 miles would take. It's not a quick afternoon, okay? It's a long trip. And they get there, and, and, and this, this is where the world picks up. There was no room for them in the end. You think God ever intended there to be a room for them in the end? Do you think God ever expected them to go into a nice, soft, feather bed and deliver this child? Do you think God expected them to have the best room in the house that caught a cross breeze that cooled it down and aerated it and got rid of all the odors and everything that was spick and span and spotless? Because this is not the child but all these people that had benefits and all of generations worth of, of uh, prophecy about the coming Messiah, they had built this coming Messiah up to be the great soldier, the great warrior, the liberator. And he was, but not in the sense that they thought he was going to be. And, and so, basically, they were disappointed. Okay? Now, I don't know how you can be disappointed in Christ, but they were. Because <clears throat> this wasn't what they expected. This wasn't what their perspective of what the coming Christ child was going to be about. Not at all. But you know, the religious world accepts the virgin birth. Very, very few religious traditions reject the virgin birth. Very few. But at the same time, very few of them will acknowledge the rough situation in which this child came into the world and the humanity of it. See, once Christ, the conception occurred, and once he left the womb and he was born and he was on this earth, Guess what, folks? He was human at that point. Now, now, now let that sink in. Well, why would you take God himself? What's the name of the song? He left the splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny. I could have sang that to you, but y'all wouldn't have stuck around very long. But... That didn't make sense. Why not Christ to earth like the resurrected Christ that they met that had that blood, that aura that surrounded them? Because that's not the way God intended it to be. Why did Jesus have to be human? You ever thought about that? Why, why, why was it necessary? He lived among men. Do what? The example to us, he faced everything that we faced. 
the hurts and the pain. And, and you know, as a little boy, he probably fell and he went running to mama and got that only that kiss that only a mama can give that can cure everything from leprosy to a broken leg, you know. But he was a human child. And then all of a sudden, they, they, they're, they're coming back from uh, Jerusalem and going home following Passover. And they're two days on the road heading home, and what happened? He wasn't with them. Now, I, I know you've had a thought at times like that do I turn back or do I keep going? You know? But his parents turned back. And they went in there. And when they entered into the temple, what did they see him do? He was talking with, with, with the brains of the outfit. But he wasn't just talking to them. He was asking questions, but he was explaining things. Okay? He was explaining things. And he got a little terse with his parents. Do what? His earthly parents. And, and, and you can visualize the scene. Joseph and Mary walk in and say, Jesus, what are you doing? And what did he say? I am about my father's business. Did they know that was coming? I, I, I think there's two sides of it, I, two levels. I, I think they did at one level, but they didn't at the other level. They just didn't know it then. Then. Fully. Fully. But Jesus says, I've got a job to do. Twelve years old. But then, they return back home, and what does it say? Jesus grew in stature. In what? Spirit. And in favor of, even of all men. Because of that godly connection. In, in other words, to know Jesus is beloved. But when it goes far enough and starts entrenching on your world, he's not such a cute kid. It's the difference between a precocious child and a brother. Okay? Do you understand the difference? I don't know how to tell the difference. But we use with some, they're precocious. And others, they're brats. And they do exactly the same thing. Well, I'm not saying Jesus was precocious or a brat. What I'm saying is that people viewed him for his goodness, and at the same time, they viewed him as an enemy for exactly the same thing that others loved him for. And, and, and he become this, this uh, juxtaposed entity. I wrote a paper in college called Juxtaposition one time about literature class. Didn't have a clue what I was writing about, but I got a B on the paper and I was tickled, you know. But it was tough. And God took him from heaven 
and put him in the altar. I've always wondered in my mind, and there's no way to ever know, when did Jesus really come to the realization of who he was? You know, how, how early in life did he know him? You know, if, if you go with some of the extra biblical accounts of the gospel and things, uh, you know, there, there's one, what is it, the Gospel of Thomas, I think it is, has an account where he healed a baby bird. You know, yeah, and, you know I, I don't know if any of that happened. We know at least 12 years old. At least 12 years old, he figured it out. You know, that's kind of like that kid, you know, in junior high that reminds the teacher, you forgot to get us homework, you know. He, he looked at the world through a different perspective. And you know what else? This is the part that really shows how unique this situation was. Jesus was hustling up to mature and grow to who he needed to be for what purpose? To die. He knew it. And he knew it. But he never looked back. He never regretted. He, he did ask God, he said, if there be any other way. If there be any other way, so be it. But it's your will and not mine. And he went to the cross willingly. How, how more unique can you get? Sure. He, he, he could have snapped his fingers and said, that's it, game's over, I'm going home. Okay? I, I mean, it's that simple, isn't it? But he didn't. God could have stopped it. It could have been stopped so many different ways. But why was it necessary? Because his blood had to cover our sins. We're incapable. We're incapable. That's been the whole point through the, as, as the law was revealed. And even as it was being revealed, it was a constant reminder that what you're doing is not going to save you. It'll cover you for a year. It'll keep you going until you get to the next opportunity but when Jesus goes to the cross and his blood is shed for our sins, it's permanent. The sacrifice, not a sacrifice, the sacrifice has been made. I often think when I, when I consider the life of Jesus on this earth that the true unique nature of all of this was that it was done for me. And it was done for you. Jesus got nothing from it. The death and pain and suffering. It was done for us. And man has taken this marvelous gift and so twisted it perverted it 
that people walk around truly believing that they've been washed in the blood and they're saved and they're going somewhere, but they're wrong. They're wrong. Because they don't recognize Jesus for who he is. Many within the world. They give up baptism for a prayer. That whole thought process didn't even exist until about 1900, 1910. And how that all came about, that was when Billy Sunday had these huge revivals and everything. And they would have people come up and say the prayers, but his intention was that they baptize them because there would be hundreds of them at a time. They would baptize them over the next few days. That, that was the intent. But what happened? That got grabbed. And people ran with it. And now that's become the norm. That's become the norm. And what's sad about that, there's nothing normal about anything God has done to this point. Nothing that Jesus has done to this point. That's normal. It all stands out in, in, in such a unique way. Now, y'all may not believe this, but I have strayed so far from what I have put together. <laughs> but I, I, I get excited. The deeper I get into some of these studies, I get excited. Because we have to be reminded. If we're not, we're, we're going to become complacent. We're, we're going to forget where we were and, and, and how we got here and how, how we hold the hope that going to carry us to heaven. And I'm glad that the world gets excited at what we call Christmas, at the birth of Christ, because at least for a few minutes during the course of the year, some people will focus on the Christ child in a way. And they look at you if they're crazy. Now, you, you may not do this, but sometimes I'll point out to people, I say, you know, the birth was wonderful. Because without birth, there never could have been death. But isn't his death the most marvelous thing that you ever heard and seen? Because we're saved not by his birth. We're saved through his death. But his burial and his resurrection. That's the gospel message. That's what we're to teach other people. That's the way we're to touch lives, to let them know that the unique gift that he gave us is what allows us to live with hope every day. About five minutes. Oh, okay. I'm going I'm to try to find where I was before we started running. Y'all like to hunt rabbits? <laughs> I, I do. <clears throat> now, this, this is the thing right here. A pregnant, engaged, unwed mother that has become the mother of Jesus. And a man that considered divorce 
at one point to become Jesus' earthly father. Which tells you something about the two people that were chosen to be his parents. Just like it tells us the uniqueness of Daniel and of Abraham and of Jeremiah and of Hosea and of Ezekiel. These were good people. These were good people. They were people that were devout in who they were and the way they lived life. Would God trust just any father to take care of his son? Would, would, would God just say, oh, we just need a surrogate family. Somebody will take care of them for 18 years and then move them out. He wanted somebody who's going to teach him. Teach him scripture. Teach him about life. Teach him about the things that he would be facing. And, and I always found it interesting in scripture that Joseph just kind of disappears and there's no accounting for what happened to him. Did he die early? Did he just kind of retire back into the background? You know, we'll never know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. You know, I'm going to say, where were you all those years? You know, what were you doing? May have taken him home. I, you know, I don't know. Do you think at the point that Joseph and Mary began to really understand? See, I'm, I'm one of those of the school of thought that, that when Jesus was born, Mary understood some things. She didn't know the whole story. But she knew this child was special. And, and she knew that God was going through a lot of trouble to allow her to conceive that child, to carry that child the nine months until until they were he was delivered, that he was going to entrust her and her intended husband, her betrothed husband, to raise this child. She knew there was something special and unique. But at some point, they began to really see. And I'm sure at 12, that's probably the big eye opener to them right there. Fifteen years down the road from then, when he, when he begins his fifteen twenty years, when he, he begins his earthly ministry, really really pushing his ministry, how many of these guys had he been talking to in the temple that are now seeing him as an adult and are saying, I, "I remember that precocious child." See, he's passed from divine to precocious now because he's he's stepping on their toes. They, they had a little niche carved out there and they wanted it to be a certain way. You know, it, isn't it great that when God designed the church and planned the church and brought it all into existence, he didn't ask us how it ought to be. Because all the things that we would have done to it, he left it all out. <coughs> 
Wealth and privilege was not his, his goal. He kept Jesus in the most humble conditions he possibly could. And Jesus relished in that. He kept his great prophets that foretold the, the coming of the Messiah. And John the Baptist, oh my, that's a whole different story. You know, the man in the, the wilderness. God chose to use some very unique people. And we're going to be looking at some of these over the next few few months, probably a couple of months anyway, uh, as we see it all unfold. 